Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you, including uh, Mark Schulman. He's the uh, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll talk about character, the gift that keeps on giving. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. Well, we've been due to uh, 2022 and look forward to 2023 with some cautious optimism amid significant challenges facing the global economy, including soaring inflation, an ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine that disrupted the international energy industry, elevated numbers of excess deaths around the world that started with the COVID-19 pandemic and continued efforts from the Chinese Communist Party to wage an undeclared war with the United States and to dominate the world. All those things are facing us. I think, though, we'll see how it all turns out at the end of 2023. We'll talk about that with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Happy New Year! It is January the 2nd, and on this day in 1974, President Richard Milhouse Nixon signed the Energy Highway Energy Conservation Act, setting a new national maximum speed limit nationally. Prior to 1974, individual states set speed limits within their boundaries, and highway speed limits across the country ranged from 40 miles to 80 miles an hour. The U.S. and other industrialized nations enjoyed easy access to cheap Middle Eastern oil from the 50s to the 70s, but the Arab-Israeli conflict challenged the dramatically in 1973. Arab members of the Organization for Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, uh, protested the West's support of Israel in the Yom Kippur War by uh, stopping oil shipments to the United States, Japan, and Western Europe. OPEC also flexed its newfound economic muscle by quadrupling oil prices, placing a chokehold on American oil-hungry consumers and industries. The embargo also had a global impact, sending the U.S. and the European countries into a recession. As part of his response to the embargo, President Nixon signed a federal law lowering all national highway speed limits to 55 miles an hour. Very questionable whether it was legal, but the act also intended to force Americans to drive at speed limits deemed more fuel efficient, thereby curbing the U.S. appetite for foreign oil. With it, Nixon ushered in a new policy of fuel conservation and rationing not seen since World War II. The act also prohibited the Department of Transportation from approving of funding of any projects within the states that did not comply with the new speed limit. Most states quietly adjusted their speed limits, though western states like Montana and Wyoming, uh, home to country's longest, straightest, and most monotonous rural highways, not only grudgingly complied, or they only grudgingly complied, Even after OPEC lifted the embargo in March of 74, drivers continued to face high gas prices and attempted to conserve fuel by buying revolutionary Japanese economy cars. For many, a desire for fuel-efficient automobiles became the standard until the trends towards gas-guzzling sports utility vehicles emerged in the 90s. In 1987, Congress authorized states to reset speed limits within their borders, but proponents of the National Maximum Speed Limit Law claimed it lowered automobile rated fatalities, prompting Congress to keep it on the books until finally it was repealed in 1995. Today's speed limits across the country vary from 35 and 40 miles per hour in congested urban areas and 75 miles an hour on long stretches of rural highway. U.S. drivers now drive almost as fast as their European counterparts who average between 75 and 80 on the highway. On some roads in Italy, it's legal to drive as fast as 95 miles an hour. Now, that was the day back uh, when, of course, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, the uh, rules of supply and demand should govern the cost of gas. And uh, uh, <laughs> in any event, uh, we have too much government meddling in too many things. 
Well, a monthly revenue report from the Office of Economic and Demographic Research for the month of November shows that Florida collected $447.2 million over the forecast assumptions with slightly more than 92% of the total gain coming from sales tax. Now, the sales, uh, the state raised $3.68 billion during the month of November, but it was projected to gain $3.23 billion. Automobiles had the highest increase over estimates, being 24% above projection at uh, $122 million. Now, one of the causes of that, of course, I think is Ian. Hurricane Ian came by, and, well, we lost two cars in Ian, and I'm sure many, many people did here in Florida because of storm surge. So, uh if you take a look at the itemized bill that you get when you buy a car, well, there's a big sales tax included as well. Florida budget surface for uh, fiscal year 21-22 hit $21.8 billion, making it the highest in state history. Florida's revenues even exceeded pre-pandemic estimates by more than $8 million. No money from the federal government is included in this $20 billion of reserves. Uh, DeSantis recently announced the Florida's unemployment rate dropped to 2.6%, and Florida's job growth continues to exceed the national rate. The unemployment rate has reached the lowest percentage among the nation's top 10 largest states and 1.1% lower than the nation's rate. Florida continued, Success over the past two years is no accident. No matter what challenges, we have stayed on the offense, said DeSantis. Florida's economy is outpacing the nation for the second consecutive year because we have invested in our workforce and prioritized keeping Florida's Floridians at work and businesses open. As the new year approaches, we continue to invest in our workforce and infrastructure to create jobs and keep our economy moving forward. Now, that in the context of some progressives still wanting for everybody to mask up and lock down, it's just amazing uh, in the face of evidence for 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 uh, wanting to take these uh, draconian steps, and, and even little kids. In fact, uh, for the swearing-in ceremony, uh, Kamala Harris at the Senate said, "If yeah, anybody who comes to this uh, to the uh, event has to mask up, including kids uh, two years and older." Unbelievable. Well, Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth has la- his last words were, "Lord, I love you." Benedict succeeded St. Paul uh, John II in leading the world's 1.3 billion Catholics, reigning from uh, April 19, 2005 until his resignation on February the 28th, uh, 2013. The German Pope shocked the world when he announced his intention to resign, the first Pope to do so in some 600 years. Having repeatedly examined my conscience before God, I have come to the certainty that my strengths, due to my advanced age, are no longer suited to adequately exercising the Patrine ministry, he told the cardinals, adding that he was aware that his ministry must be accomplished not only with deeds and words, but with no less with prayer and suffering. For many, uh, for the past nine years since his resignation, Benedict has lived in the monastery within the Vatican walls, devoting himself to prayer, occasional writing, and maintaining a low profile. A renowned theologian, a shy man gifted with great listening skills, a master of preaching even at the most complex topics in a simple way, in his most eight years as Pope, uh, Ratzinger met millions of people made dozens of international trips, and wrote various encyclical letters to renew the church doctrine on various matters. He fought energetically against the clerical uh, sex abuse, imposing a a change of direction church norms in dealing with abusive priests. In 2008, Pope Benedict visited the United States where he praised America as a land of great faith, your people are remarkable for their religious fervor, and they take pride in belonging to, and to a worshiping community. He said at the time, they have confidence in God, and they do not hesitate to bring moral arguments rooted in biblical faith in their public discourse. That from uh, the great Benedict. He was a, a great pope, and you know what? I think I just acknowledge him and, and uh, for feeling like his energy was not there to be the pope anymore, and uh, he stepped down. A good man. Well, Barbara Walters, the pioneering TV broadcaster, blazed trail for women in male-dominated medium. She died Friday. She was 93 years of age. Can you believe it? Seems like just yesterday she was on the TV. Throughout her career that spanned five decades, Walter won 12 Emmy Awards for her work in television journalism. Uh, Barbara Walters, dead at 93. 
Uh, I'm anticipating this coming week because Elon Musk is releasing the Fauci files this week. Things are going to get very interesting. And uh, you may have heard of what uh, Elon Musk said about his pronouns. It's convict Fauci, something to that effect. In any event, Elon Musk releasing the Fauci files this week. I started a story uh, last week on Llewellyn Rockwell, former editorial assistant to Ludwig von Mises and congressional chief of staff to Ron Paul and a founder chairman of the Mises Institute. He wrote some in a remarkable television broadcast on December the 15th. Tucker Carlson made an explosive charge. He pointed out that contrary to law, the White House was refusing to release thousands of pages of documents about the assassination of John F. Kennedy on November the 22nd, 63. Carlson said that these documents proved CIA involvement in the assassination, that someone with government who had looked at these documents made a direct statement to the effect. So less than a year after the JFK assassination, there was, of course, the Warren Report, which reproved, uh, proved to be uh, useless. Uh, they claimed uh, in that report that Lee Oswald and Jack Ruby acted alone. No one helped them. Uh, Jack Kennedy was most certainly murdered as a result of the conspiracy. But the uh, uh, question is, a conspiracy by whom? Well, obvious suspect would be the CIA. Why else would the agency withhold critical evidence from investigators? Is there a benign explanation for that or maintain this level of secrecy for these many years? Not that we're uh, aware of, and it's illegal. I mean, the 1992 Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act that uh, acted mandated full disclosure of all documents by 2017. Fifty-four years after JFK was killed, the last administration promised to comply with that law, but under intense pressure from the CIA director Mike Pompeo, withheld, in the end, thousands of pages of CIA documents. Uh, today, the uh, Biden administration did exactly the same thing. There would be thousands of pages of documents uh, after the nearly 60 years, after the death of every single person involved, but we still can't see them. Clearly, this is not to protect any person. They're all dead. It's to protect an institution. But why? That's the question. Well, Lou Rockwell decided to find out, and he spoke to someone who had access to uh, the, the still-hidden CIA documents, a person who was deeply familiar with what was contained. They asked this person directly, did the CIA have a hand in the murder of John F. Kennedy, an American president? And here's the reply they received. Quote, the answer is yes, I believe they were involved. It is a whole different country from what we thought it was. It's all fake. That was the reply. It's hard to imagine a more jarring response than that. Again, it's not a conspiracy theorist that we spoke to. Not even close. This is someone with direct knowledge of the information that once again is being withheld from the American public. And the answer we received is, was unequivocal. Yes, the CIA was involved in the assassination of the president. Now, some people will not be surprised to hear that they suspected it all along, but no matter how you feel about it or what your thought it might be about Kennedy's assassination, pause to consider what this means. And uh, to me, what it means is we have a corrupt uh, CIA, and uh, it's been that way for years. This is not just something that occurred in the last couple of years. Just think back, it's 60 years now, and people are still defending and defying uh, lawful requests for information about what happened to John F. Kennedy. And there's much more to it uh, than what we're seeing with the, uh, with the naked eye right now. It's going to get very interesting uh, in the coming year. I want to continue the story when I have a moment, uh, but right now we're going to have to move on. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music 
in a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Are you planning on traveling abroad? What if you got sick or hurt in another country? Most health insurance plans don't cover international travel. Travel with confidence with international health insurance for as little as $1.25 a day. Make travel worry-free. Get a free quote by calling 591-1715 or visiting the website internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us... Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, is called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. It's been such a such an interesting year, and I look forward to find out what your thoughts might be on the coming year. But before we do, let's talk about some of the things that are happening currently. Start off with Brazil. Well, in Brazil, uh, the new president is going to be installed today. The old president, Bolsonaro left the country. He's now, <clears throat> he's now in your state, in Florida. Maybe he's going to join President Trump in mar lago I don't know, but uh, he left the country because he's afraid of being prosecuted. So, interesting situation. Yeah. Um, how, how are the, uh, how are the, uh, the citizens reacting to everything that's going on right now? Basically, it's gotten quiet. In other words, the demonstrations that were have ceased now that it's clear that, uh, that Bolsonaro is not going to be staying uh, we'll see. I mean, like we've been discussing, the the whiplash effect of going from such two opposite views in terms of everything can't be healthy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's you know, we what we're missing in a lot of a lot of parts of the world is the radical center. The radical oh. center. <laughs> That's so interesting. No, I believe in the radical center. The radical center means. What does that mean by radical center? There's two types of centers. There's centers who's just you know. A compromise, you know, a compromise right and left. And this is a compromise, and this is the way we are. And there's a radical center, which are people who actually have centrist beliefs and believe that they have to push their centrist beliefs regardless of the opposition. It's not. It's more of an idea. It's almost an ideology, less of a compromise. You know, Mark, it's it's kind of come down to uh, the decision between socialism or communism and uh, free markets and uh, free enterprise and so forth. So, I mean, where is the compromise there? I don't see that, by the way. We're in the world, other than a little bit right now in, in Brazil, there isn't that. And now back with China, we don't. Really, those are not really the issues at the moment. Uh, and anyways, in the world that I can see. Yeah, that's so, um, so interesting. I see it differently, needless to say. And we've talked about this many times, but uh, I, I, I just see us a, a real concern in the direction we're moving in this country right now, away from free markets towards uh, 
Well, for example, the control of the uh, uh, what, you know single payer system here in healthcare and so forth. Well, we haven't got to single payer in healthcare all these years. I realize. So, I realize, but uh, I mean that's, uh, that's it. Just hasn't happened. The, the you know the talk about it has been talked about, but it hasn't happened. And you know, uh, Obamacare has come and it hasn't resulted in any single care. And I don't think um, I don't think it's likely to happen at any time. Yeah. Um, so from your lips we'll to see. God's ear. <laughs> yep. So uh, so let's move to China. What's happening in China right so now? So China is such a strange and interesting thing. I mean, so. You know, we went back to the fact that the Chinese removed all of the restrictions on uh, on COVID, and since almost nobody's been vaccinated, and since almost nobody has had the disease, there is zero immunity in the country, and so it spread like total uh, wildfire. Um, we do not know that they stopped reporting the numbers; they stopped reporting the deaths completely. As a matter of fact, as someone who I know as an acquaintance, let's put it that way, had family in China. Uh, one person in the last week, one relative died of a heart attack, one relative died of pneumonia, one relative died of, I forgot what, a, a brain tumor, all in the course of a week. And, of course, they were all COVID, but you can't report COVID, otherwise you can't be, you won't be accepted in the crematoriums that are absolutely overwhelming right now. Um, so the concern in the world is not so much, I mean, obviously it's going to run through China, um, you know, the concern is, and you know, so, you know, we can all feel bad for whatever, whoever Chinese are going to die along the way. But the concern is the possibility of variants being created by, by this huge number of people who are getting it in a very short period of time. So no one knows. Yeah, um, a lot of countries, the United States amongst them, have now requiring uh, negative tests for COVID for people arriving, or at least Chinese citizens arriving, uh, in their countries. Um, so, you know, it's almost like back to where we were three years ago in that sense. Huh. Uh, we'll see. Um, it, it's just a very interesting how they went, you know, 180 degree turn in a period of a couple of days. Yeah. And a humongous experiment in public health. It is indeed. And uh, this, how's this all affecting the economy? Well, the economy is almost at a standstill at the moment. No one's working. Yeah. That's the reality. No one is working. Um, you know, people in factories, half the factory staff has, has COVID, is afraid to get COVID. It will definitely put a dent in their e- economy. Now, this is <clears throat> after multiple dents that they've had in the last year. And, and Mark, so. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, oh, if you're not going to work, you don't get paid. I mean, it, it, I, that even happens in China, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. But I am sure people in China have sick leave, too. I mean, so I don't, I mean, I don't know what the individual cases are. But, yeah. um, you know, that will pass at some point. I mean, was clearly... COVID, um, if it doesn't kill you, it passes. I mean, leaving aside long, long COVID, and in a couple of weeks, everyone will either have, have had it, and there will be immunity in the country. Um, there'll just be a lot of deaths behind. Um, so, you know, it'll, it's, a, it's short-term pain, and where that's going to bring them afterwards, we don't know. Uh, but they have these, all these other challenges. And again, the, the question, I think we discussed it last week, uh, one of my friends who's a China watcher said, you know, we knew about all of the different challenges that China faces at the moment in terms you know, we've talked about them on this broadcast in terms of the mortgage mortgages and housing and the attempt of a lot of companies now to move their production to other parts of the world and of course the new US policy in terms of semiconductors which is squeezing China but the view has always been that they're, they're very competent in what they do yeah um, how they've handled COVID brings some real questions about their competency also well, it almost also may uh, demonstrate the fact that uh, and, uh, it, uh, the COVID's going to have a mind of its own. It's going to move through the population no matter what happens. And so you may as well just uh, do what you can to avoid getting COVID and, and, and uh, you know, or just to develop a herd immunity. Right. But the issue, of course, is, and this was part of the policy in the United States, was to try never to let the hospitals become overwhelmed. Yeah. Because while... Um, <clears throat> COVID will kill X number, X percentage of people. If you don't get the proper, you know, hospital care, it'll be X times some some factor, obviously. Yeah. Because hospitals do save lives. And what's happened in China is, is the hospitals are completely over, over overwhelmed at this point. Yeah. Uh, so that's not, you know, you can argue about the policy, but that was always the policy in the States more than anything else. No one ever thought they'd stop COVID, but everyone wanted to keep the numbers so that the hospitals didn't didn't collapse. So, Mark, I want to take a little break. Uh, can you stick around? 
Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I hope you find out more and get tickets by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's pick up our discussion with uh, Ukraine and the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. Right. So what's what's been happening, of course, is Russia keeps on trying to pound the Ukrainians from the air using missiles. They can't use planes because, as unbelievable it is, is when one thinks about it, the Russians do not have air air superiority over Ukraine. They never had it during this whole war, which says an awful lot about all of our misconceptions. But in any case, they have been firing missiles, and they've been using Iranian drones, and they've been getting through, and they've been trying to target the energy system, which they've been somewhat successful at, and mm-hmm. they've been knocked out power in many cases. Um, the only, but the Ukrainians have been relatively resilient, rebuilding their system as quickly as they're knocked out, and also they're, I think at this point, thousands of generators have been shipped to Ukraine, so that... Um, you know, critical places, whether it's hospitals or any other semi-critical locations, all have their own generators right now. So that also helps out. So the Russians are, are pretty desperate at this point um, to, to come up with a strategy, and they have not come up with one. So um, the Ukrainians um, still seem to have the have the advantage in the, in the field. Um, and there are reports that the Russians are going to declare a ongoing national emergency and not allow anyone over the anyone under the age of 55 to leave the country um we'll have to see um i think i've heard from both sides uh uh, uh, uh wanting to have peace talks and i realize their starting positions are almost uh, uh in in no way would they be acceptable to the other side but what are your thoughts on that i don't think any, we're anywhere near having any sort of peace talks so uh-huh. does not it, it it does not seem possible. I think there was a survey that came out this morning. 89% of Ukrainians are against any territorial concessions to the Russians. Hmm. And what the Russians did, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what they were thinking, but what they did was they created... Uh, Ukraine was, uh, let's put it this way, a lot of Ukrainians were uh, Russia-phobes. They, they, I mean, they liked the Russians. They got along. They were educated. They spoke Russian. 
all those type of things. And Russia has managed to create absolute hatred by the Ukrainians of the Russians of the kind we haven't seen in generations. And the rest of Europe has gone along as well in terms of despising the Russians. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's like mind-boggling when you think about it because I don't think they were nearly as despised during the Cold War as they are now. So the the uh, Americans are supplying, uh, I think it's Patriot missiles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what kind of advantage will that create for Ukraine? I think it's more psychological. The Patriots are, uh, were never, originally weren't designed as anti-missile systems. They were designed initially as anti-aircraft. They function as anti-missile, um, and um, it'll it'll give them a little more a little more power. I mean, they're trying to get anti-aircraft and anti-missile systems. Whoever will sell it, give it, barter for it. Um, they don't have enough. Uh, but on the other hand, the Russians seem to be losing, you know, starting to lose out on the number of missiles they have available. And they're relying more and more on the Iranians, which again seems an, an insane thought at the moment. Um, wait, by the way, the, the demonstrations in Iran are continuing, which is another really interesting point. It, it really is. And uh, just as an aside, uh, any new developments in that regard? No, just the fact that they are, are continuing, that they're, any sort of anniversary, anniversary of the death of one of the protesters, the anniversary of the, you know, any sort of anniversary brings people out on the streets once again. Mm-hmm. And the regime does not know what to do about it. Um, and we'll see. I mean, at the same time, the nuclear program is going forward. So we're heading into a very uncharted territory, to say the least. Indeed. Which kind of begs the question about, I mean, here we are in 2023 now, the new year, uh, we've taken a look at all the history that we've had up to this point. What are your thoughts in terms of the trends, major trends to watch in, in world events? It's interesting because, you know, who would have thought that 2022 would be the way it was with the land war in Europe? Uh, I think one of the major th- things we have to think about is, you know, geopolitical trends that will take place. I think clearly we're seeing the rise of India right now, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. From an economic standpoint, uh, they're also playing a little bit in the middle between uh, Russia and the United States, although they have a stronger strategic alliance now with the United States, especially because of their border dispute with China. But we're also seeing you know, a lot of manufacturing being moved from China to India. Yeah. So you know, Apple is moving a lot of their production out of China into India. And so I think we're going to see a major change in terms of the rise of, of India. Um, in the coming year, and of course it's a long-term trend, obviously, you know, you can't say, you know, you won't see it all in one year, but I think it's something that's taking place. They're the most populous country now on Earth, and I think we're going to see, and they and they do not suffer from the problem the Chinese do, which is the fact that they never had a one-child family, so their population is not shrinking. No, it's not. Is, it's you know, both a blessing and a curse at the same time, you know, it's one of those real problems um, in both ways. So what about the the tensions between Pakistan and India? That hasn't been in the news recently. No, I don't think it's been such a, as much. I mean, frankly, there's been more fighting between India and China, believe it or not, hmm. uh, up in the up in Tibet. They, they've been fighting along the border on and off for the last couple of weeks. They don't fight with guns. This is such an interesting thing. As to not escalate, they're fighting with bamboo sticks, with knives, with all that, but no guns. Really? And... Uh, there's a lot of tension there going on on that border, believe it or not. Let's so in terms of Pakistan. Uh, but I think this will be a, a period of time when we'll see more and more. Look, we'll see. Clearly, all of Asia is rearming at a very rapid rate because mm-hmm. of uh, uh, fear of China and, of course, North Korea. North Korea just announced the fact that they're uh, going to mass-produce tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, what does that mean? How does that impact things? I don't know. Um, but um, both Japan is going to become a major military power for the first time since World War II. And um, Taiwan is, of course, spending more on defense, and South Korea is as well. So we're seeing those shifts clearly taking place. And, of course, in Europe, we're seeing the shift now. I mean, uh, Europe at this point is will be totally um, no longer dependent on Russia, oil, gas, or, or, or coal by the end of 2023. Most of the countries have already turned off the, the, the nozzle and are doing without. Um, at this point, um, I think Germany has has basically, its reserves are at 100%, so they can basically turn off the spigot and get through the, get through the winter at this point. 
What's interesting to me is the expansion is the expansion of the use of coal uh, as a substitute. No, it's only temporary. They they're mostly going to natural gas, and they've gone to large amounts of uh, natural gas terminals, but it takes time to build them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really what they're replacing more than anything else. Um, so uh, and of course the alternative energy as well. Coal a little less. So I mean Germany did do that because of their stupid policy of closing the nuclear. Um, nuclear reactors, which was an insane policy. Right. That's, um, so, you know, those are, the, those are the general trends. I mean, we're seeing, of course, much more manufacturing taking place in the United States, which is both a function of post-COVID, the realization that supply chains are great, but if they break, you're in real trouble. Um, and uh, the investment on the, the CHIPS Act seems to actually be working. And you're seeing a lot of investment in in chip factories in the United States. So I think we're going to see um, more of that and a more of a change in, in, that, in that direction over the next year. Of course, it's more than a year trend, that it's a trend that will continue for a couple of years going forward. Yeah. You've um, seen a lot more aggression on the part of China, or the symbolic aggression, I should say. I mean, flying an, uh, one of its aircraft very close to an American aircraft. And uh, Do you see a, a threat of anything in Taiwan in 2023? I don't really. I don't. I don't see the Chinese. They're not ready. Let's let's start with that. Uh-huh. I think they 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 were asked told to be ready the army by 2030. Um, this is not a simple thing. I mean, obviously, uh, a amphibious assault on an island full of millions of people who oppose you is not something you can do easily. And remember, by the time the United States assaulted, let's call it equivalent to D-Day in in Normandy. Uh, by the time the United States had done that, number one, it had experience going across the Pacific Islands, had uh, done an amphibious assault in North Africa and Sicily in Italy, and so they gained a tremendous amount of experience in how to do these things. Yep. The United States at the time had the largest Navy the world had ever seen, and yet, you know, when Eisenhower wrote, um, wrote his notes for the day, he had two letters, one if he was successful and one if he failed. Hmm. So the Chinese can't do this easily. Let's put it that way. Got it. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and Happy New Year's to you and yours. Thanks so much for joining us. You and us. all your listeners. Thank Have you. a great so, year for everybody. You, thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. 
That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you, too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We inspire and educate young people, Bob, in ideas of individual liberty and free enterprise and personal character, and we do that through our website, which is fee.org, with daily fresh commentary on issues of the day, as well as history and a variety of other topics. And we also hold events for students on campuses and in schools all over the country and sometimes abroad. I must say that uh, the Foundation for Economic Education is a terrific resource for young people, high school or college age. If you have somebody in your life that age, I highly recommend you introduce them to FEE.org, Foundation for Economic Education. uh, org. Uh, Larry, you wrote a piece which I think is so appropriate for the beginning of the year. Character is not a gift that keeps. uh, Character is a gift that keeps on giving, not just at Christmas. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. I've often been asked, uh, Bob, at public uh, speeches what I think the most important issue in the country is, and I always say it's the same as it's always been here and everywhere, and that is character, because it determines everything else. Um, A nation's destiny is largely shaped by the character of its people, and I don't know uh, of any country that's ever lost its character, and I mean that in the most positive way, Mm-hmm. Uh, lost the positive traits of character, and then uh, continued to succeed or or preserved its liberties. If you lose character, you tend to lose everything else. So uh, the essay that you're referring to uh, is all about the importance of personal character, building it, investing in it. And, and by character, I mean such elements as uh, personal honesty and patience and humility and gratitude and responsibility, courage, optimism, uh, respect for life and property, those sorts of things. Uh, If a country doesn't have that, uh, it's going to be in deep trouble economically and uh, spiritually and in every other sense, too. How would you assess where we are right now? In in my view, I I see uh, where we've we've, uh, really took our hand off the tiller for a long time, 40, 50 years, 60 years, back to the Second World War, and uh, you've seen a general decline in character here in the United States. Would you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree, and there are some studies that suggest in one area or another uh, our character has suffered, but anecdotally, I see it all the time, and I'm sure you do. It shows up in small ways, such as how a store clerk may treat you as a customer. I don't think they are as uh, attentive or as polite as they once were, generally speaking, plenty of exceptions. Uh, and to the bigger things, such as uh, rising crime rates. Uh, that certainly is, a, is strong evidence that uh, some people's character, anyway, has uh, declined. Well, and uh, it's just so sad to see right now our lawmakers and elected officials not supporting the rule of law, not demonstrating their consequences for actions with regard to behavior. And that, I think, leads to problems with character that uh, can develop beyond that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We are relaxing laws that uh, tend to punish bad behavior, and we are increasing the rules and regulations that discourage good behavior uh, in so many ways. Uh, Look at the way that politicians these days buy votes with other people's money Mm -hmm. by offering people, effectively, bribes. Uh, We saw just before the last uh, midterm election uh, uh, in November we saw President Biden uh, engaging in a, a unilateral and arbitrary relaxation of student loan payback requirements. And everybody uh, really deep down should know 
that he was doing that and timed it uh, so as to have an impact on the election. He, he's buying votes, and he's not the only one. Lots of politicians are uh, uh, offering goodies at other people's expense to incur support of uh, their constituencies and, and to gain new ground against uh, their opposition. Well, uh, we see uh, the, the old saying, uh, bringing home the pork, uh, basically goes, goes to what we saw with regard to the, the passage of the last bill. Uh, $1.7 trillion really adds up to more than $1.84 trillion because of all the pork involved. Yeah, and this is thoroughly corrupting to character because, first of all, it, it makes people dependent upon politicians, and that affects their judgment uh, not only at the polling booth but in so many other ways. Uh, but it also makes them less reliant upon their own resources mm-hmm. and makes them tend to be uh, more demagogic in the way they behave uh, themselves toward their fellow citizens. They, they come to think they're entitled to whatever the politicians are bribing them with, and uh, it, it just makes us a, uh, uh, a, uh, a worse people, you might say, in terms of uh, personal character than we were before. And so many generations before in history uh, came to understand that very painfully, um, because sooner or later when you give up your, your vote and your soul for handouts, uh, you will give up your liberty and your independence to the politicians as well. Yeah, I think it was what Benjamin Franklin said, if you uh, uh, trade off liberty for uh, security, you end up with neither. Something to that effect in any event. So. Yeah. Now, the good news is here, I think you would agree, is that, uh, by the way, this is something, this is an individual issue because you, you can actually help change the country by your own behavior and your own uh, flexing your muscle of character. Yeah, that's right. You know, there are a lot of people who uh, are eager to reform the world, and in so many ways mm-hmm. I am too. But... Uh, a lot of those folks don't realize that that begins with you, mm-hmm. that um, you can't really reform the world very well if you haven't reformed yourself. And for most people, that's a full-time job as it is. So uh, if everybody were to focus on self-improvement and, and practicing the strongest and highest standards of personal character, uh, they would be reformed, and the world, by definition, would be reformed along with them. Just think of the impact that you have with kids, grandkids, friends, family. I mean, it, it's a, uh, the impact could be immense if we all uh, began the year by flexing our muscle of character. Larry, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and I encourage your uh, listeners to go to fee.org. Check out Character is the Gift that Keeps on Giving, not just at Christmas. Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I, I want to mention at this point, however, that uh, Lulabee's Kitchen, or Lulabee's Diner, has uh, now started serving dinner on Wednesday through Saturday nights, 4 to 8 p.m. So Linda and I stopped by and had dinner. Did not realize that their chef, Richie, was actually uh, uh, the chef at Bayfront uh, Bay House, I should say, as well as the Turtle Club. But he's a terrific chef. We had a great meal, and I just encourage you to think about Lulabee's uh, Diner for an informal uh, dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., uh, Wednesday through Saturday evenings. Uh, salmon, snapper, grouper. I had the uh, the pasta dish. It was just absolutely Mediterranean pasta. It was just absolutely fantastic. So, again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Okay, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They know the politics and they know the policy. They prepare your elected officials to win in a big way. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. His latest are... Follow the Leader, uh, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob, on this cloudy winter day in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, today uh, I, I'm thinking about how President Biden deals with the cold. You know, he's he's for taking us all off of natural gas. Mm-hmm. He's for... Um, you know, converting to a green energy future. So when he gets cold, he flies to St. Croix right. <laughs> on Air Force One, <laughs> which which the rest of us can't do. I've been thinking about the uh, energy policy of this administration, and the comparison that jumps to mind is the uh, evacuation from Afghanistan. <laughs> he ha- He has a goal but he doesn't have a plan as to how to get to that goal. And so it's, as Afghanistan was a a rush to the exits, you know, this is a headlong rush into a uh, future for which uh, we're thoroughly unprepared. unprepared. You know what, uh, that is such a smart analogy, Jim. I never thought about it, but you're exactly right. You know, it's uh, uh, ready, uh, shoot, aim. <laughs> it's t- totally backwards from uh, a well-thought-out plan to be executed, and right now we're transferring over to the alternative energy with absolutely no plan to get it done. Yeah, and to, and to talk about the con- confusion in their plan, or their lack of planning, I mean, a lot of their policies are at odds with one another. So, so for example, uh, he's the, the president is pushing electrification, and, and to do this, he, he's issued some kind of an order that all the federal buildings have to be converted from uh, natural gas to electricity, which is a very expensive undertaking. The, the ultimate goal is to force the public off of natural gas, and right now 48% of all the homes in the U.S. are heated by natural gas. Huh. And, and also in, in states like Florida, where homes are cooled and heated with uh, heat pumps, the power stations are generating that power using natural gas. Uh, but at the same time, at the beginning of uh, last year, you know, we'll go back a year, January 2022, uh, there was a big controversy in Minnesota because uh, in the Duluth area, or a region around Duluth, it's called the Duluth Complex, uh, you will find the largest untapped copper and nickel deposits in the world. Wow. And, uh, and as you know, you need copper for electricity for wire. But anyway, um, it's an environmentally sensitive area, and 
the people, you know, the environmentalists said that the, the mining and the runoff would just destroy a pristine wilderness. So the leases on that land, which had been in been, been issued in 1966, were killed by Biden. So, so he's pushing an electric future, but in terms of uh, copper. We import most of our copper from Mexico, Canada, and China, uh, the ore. Huh. In, ter- in terms of cap- copper wire, we import most of our cap- copper wire. Canada, Mexico, South Korea, Germany, Peru. So if he talks about energy independence, and, and you know, one of the arguments for green energy is you know, the air is free, the sun is free, we will be uh, independent, but but we're not because he's making us dependent on supplies of copper from other parts of the world. That's that's the kind of um, nonsensical, counterintuitive policies that, that emanate from this White House. Well, and that, just to pile on a little bit here, I mean, instead of us, let's drill uh, right here in the United States, his notion is why don't we go to Saudi Arabia and beg for them to lower the price of oil or let's go to Venezuela and see if we can reduce the sanctions and uh, have them provide us what we need. You know, if it's an environmental hazard, which I don't believe it is, but if they, if it is, what difference does it make if it's happening in Venezuela or in the United States? Well, uh, the other thing that concerns me, you know, the, this is an old saw, the public knows this. The federal government does a horrible job of picking winners and losers in our economy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's go in the Wayback Machine to 1979 when President Jimmy Carter said that the energy future of the United States rested on coal, and he, he launched a government-funded uh, coal gasification plant in South Dakota in 1979. By 1985, the, the uh, backers of that plant defaulted on $1.5 billion in uh, government loans. Now, that's a huge amount of money. In today's dollars, that would be $6.5 billion, Wow. which is enormous. I mean, we haven't had, you know, Mega Millions has only gotten up to $2 billion jackpot. That's what I use as a, an inflation measure. You know, are, are the losses on the project bigger than a Mega Millions uh, winning ticket? And, and Jimmy Carter holds a record. So, for example, Solyndra, which was uh, the uh, solar company that went out of business after being backed by uh, Obama and Biden back in 2010, that only cost the American public 535 million. You know, yeah. so it doesn't come close to a to the uh, mega millions uh, jackpot in in my measure. But Jim, Jimmy Carter really was the prime example about how how the government constantly fails to pick winners and losers. And the reason is, you know, Democrats like the Republicans have deep pocketed special interest groups and and this green energy is catering to people like Al Gore that have become billionaires on this uh, it's not serving the interests of the American public. Well I'll tell you and here's the other thing too when, when it comes to government projects like that and the uh, cronyism that occurs it's they, they show up with the ribbon cutting they've got nothing to do with the implementation follow up and making it successful they just move on to the next ribbon cutting so uh, it's doomed for failure even if it's a good idea yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is that Democrats inadvertently are keeping the Republican Party alive, especially ex- more extreme elements in the Republican Party. And the, the reason is these energy policies are going to create a great expense and great discomfort for your average American. We're yeah. going to see our heating bills climb. Uh, we're going to be forced to turn down our thermostats, our our ability to travel, to move around freely, will be restricted because of costs and, and supply. You know, we're not going to have enough supply of, of certain forms of energy to, to have the kind of freedom we're accustomed to. Yeah. Uh, this, will, this will create a huge voter backlash. Uh, and, you know, God knows what it'll bring forth. And, you know, um, I... I I'm a registered Republican now because I wanted to vote in the primary, but I consider myself a neutral independent, and I would like to see sanity in both of the political parties. And I just see uh, 
unbridled insanity in the Democratic Party because it can't examine its conscience and say, why would anybody in their right mind vote for Donald Trump versus us? That's the Democratic mindset. They yeah. don't look at themselves and say, look how awful we are. Look how we are revolting. <laughs> it's so true. Jim McTague, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I encourage you to read his great set of novels, his latest, No Problem, by Jim McTague. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy Thank New you Year. for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, uh, including our Senate President, Kathleen Pasadena, will be with us. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.